invite you to turn to John 3. His presence is here. Amen? Like, he's here. Thanks. Thanks, Jake. Uh, let's just, as we're going through this time, just let the Spirit keep talking. Uh, when God comes, when his presence comes like this, he, he wants to meet with us. He wants to interact with us. And so he's going to be talking to you. He's going to be, you and him are going to have a conversation during this time. And don't let it stop. Just because I may be talking a lot. Just listen to the Spirit. He's moving. Um, this is one of those, this is what he loves to do is meet with his people, his, his kids, and talk to them. So uh, as we go through his word, I just, we're just pray, my prayer is, is this, well, let me just pray it. <laughs> Lord, talk to us. Let this word, like it always is, be living, be active, move in us. And, and let's just take a moment. His peace is here. Like, uh, you just sense that, the peace of Christ. So I just want you to, where, where you are, God, would you give each person, uh, someone, a couple people, maybe they're in this room, maybe they're not to pray for, who need your peace. I just want you to incur, I just want to say, just say, in the name of Christ, I release his peace on this person, or Jesus, I release your, pers- your peace on that person. He's given you authority, the power to do it. Just pray that over the people that God brings to your mind right now. They may be next to you, they may be out of this room. And would you make your word alive to us, even as we've been singing it and meditating on it with these few moments here, Jesus. Just speak to us through your word. Amen. So John uh, 3 is where we are. If you're visiting with us, you're jumping in online, we're really glad uh, you're here. And the book of John... um, we're, we're in the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. We met this guy named John the Baptist, who is different than the guy writing the book, John, the author. And John the Baptist, as we read earlier, was the forerunner, the hype man, right, for, for the Messiah. He was the one that's saying to everybody, hey, look, you got to get baptized, repent, because the Messiah's coming, the kingdom's coming, and uh, get ready for this thing. And then we went on to some stories about Jesus' ministry, and we come back now, and we circle, and we meet John the Baptist again. We circle back around him. He, uh, he gets pulled back into the story. And I'd like to just read here verse 22, chapter 3. It says this, After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because water was plentiful there, and people were coming and being baptized, for John yet had not yet been put in prison. And 
Let's stop right there for a second. So what's happening is, I don't know if you knew this, Jesus actually baptized people. So John's baptizing people, now Jesus is baptizing people, but skip down to John 4 and you find out, well, actually Jesus didn't really baptize people, he had his disciples do it. And it doesn't explain why, it just says that's what happened. So we're not going to go off on that. That's not the story here. But just so you know, this is happening. Jesus is baptizing about four or five miles away from John. And they're really close. They're in the same area. And what happens is a discussion, it says this in verse 25, arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And this is about, uh, so the law, God gave the law to Moses, the law has in Leviticus 12, or 11, 12, 13, I think, several chapters on purification, and part of that was washing yourself, immersing yourself, and so Jews were saying, so is this baptism like the law, Are you replacing it, is it in addition to, is it, what is that? And, uh, and so they were wondering about all that, and we're not going to get into that. And, and then they come to John, and they say to him, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and all who are going, and all these people are going to him. And there's this moment of, wah, 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 like, uh-oh. John's starting to go low. There's something in all of us that hates diminishing, that hates going low, hates people saying we're going low, hates people coming at us and whatever. So even, even this past week, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl. Anybody watch that? Anybody watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, okay, all right. Remember at the very end, Tampa Bay, it, it was pretty much over. Tampa Bay player on defense knocks down a ball or whatever from Kansas City, and then the players like taunting him, like all in his face, and then the flag gets thrown, and they call personal foul, taunting, taunting. So apparently, why do they throw the flag? Because the NFL is perfectly okay with literally knocking a player into next week and smearing him all over the field. But you can't hurt his feelings. That's, well, that's a personal foul. I mean, do you ever catch the irony of that? Like, what? So you're going to get upset at that after he just destroyed this guy? Like, I don't know. But there's something inside of us, and you go to any professional sport, and they can call a foul on that. Like the NBA, you can get a technical foul for what? Taunting. Because that's a personal foul. We don't like going low. That's, that's a horrible thing to do. There's some things that are actually good. I mean, there's things that we don't like that go low, like stocks, the bottom line, profits, right? All those things we don't like going low. But there's other things, um, like limbo, the whole goal is to go low. I got on line. You guys know what limbo is, right? I'm like, that may date me, but uh, I got online, got on the YouTube where I find all things that are true. Um, and I found, I, I think it's the world record. I don't know. I didn't really pay that much attention to it, truthfully. <laughs> so he got a big medal. But they measured it. It looks like it's a world record. The six-year-old kid, he got seven inches. He, he, he can go limbo down to seven, I mean, seven inches. Like, it's, it's crazy. And his legs are just split, and he's just, he goes like, he went like 40 feet, he went under cars. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness. 
it was kind of sad because I was actually practicing to kind of show off how low I could go. I had my 70s shorts out. I grew the mustache. I was going to do it up here on stage and have Jake and Lynn and, well, I saw that. And so these guys come to John and they say this. Rabbi, Jesus, the guy you baptized is now across the Jordan. And, and look, look, he's baptizing and all the people are going to him. So somewhere in this conversation with this Jew, right, because that's what they say. I mean, it's like the, you got the apostle, you got the disciples of John and this Jew, and they're talking about purification. And then all of a sudden the conversation goes to, it's that guy, right? There's always that guy or always that girl that feels led by the Lord to let you know what's going on, right? And somewhere in there, this guy says, oh, you know what's happening, right? Everybody's going over to Jesus. How's that make you feel? On a sinking ship, kind of. Feeling a little low, like the, the steam's running out of the ministry, <laughs> right? I mean, that's it. There's always somebody that comes up to us and looks at us and goes, oh, look at you. If you've ever led anything, you've had someone come up to you and go, ooh, right? Or did you know? Or did you hear? If you've ever parented, you've had a kid, taught, you've had a child, a student, come up to you and go, well, did you know? And point it out, right? Point out that you're going low. If you've ever been in high school, if you've ever been in junior high, you've had somebody come up to you and go, ew, right? Look at you and go, ew, and say it. Look, if you've been in fifth and sixth grade, it, look, if you've been a human, this happens all the time. Someone feels like it's their responsibility to point out that you, you're going down or you're already down, and they just love looking at you down there going, oh, you poor thing, or just making fun of us. And maybe we've done that. And they're feeling it. So these disciples, they come to John, and they're feeling that. And, and, and they're all about John, right? And they're all about his message and, and the baptism thing. But there's something else about this statement that's about pride. Is it, is it envy? Is it jealousy? Is it self-exaltation? Pride? Maybe it's the allergic reaction we have to humiliation. Is that what's going on? Like we have this aversion. And, and you know this guy's sinking this. And he's going to John. Think about this from his perspective. He's going to John. And he's like, John, dude, I joined you, right? I'm like, I'm all in. Tell me you're not a loser. Tell me this thing isn't going down, John. I've got a lot invested in this, John. Come on, John. I mean, he puts all kinds of pressure on John in this moment. How many of us have done that? We don't like this, and we come, and we say it. We're the ones saying it, 
We've, we know what it's like to hear it, and perhaps we've been the one that has said it to somebody, done it to someone. Put pressure on them, make them feel low, make them feel like they're decreasing, they're the loser. I love what John says. He says four things, four independent statements here. Well, they work on each other, but it just it jumps off the page. John answers in verse, 20, verse 27, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him from heaven. Let's just read that together. If you got your Bible out, whether it's on your phone, paper, uh, online, home, read this with me. Here we go, a person, right there. A person cannot receive Okay, let's read this together out loud. Is this on? Testing, testing. Okay, let's try to read this together, right? Here we go. One, a two, a one, two, three. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Given her from heaven. We just sang these songs I mean, that there's this, this idea of, in fact, the, the song, you're worthy of it all, right? Everything comes from you, right? From you comes all things. From you goes all things. To you goes all things, right? To you give the glory. I mean, we just sang that song. I asked Jake earlier, I was like, Jake, did you, like, plan that? And he's like, no, I didn't know. He's like, I knew the path, but I mean, that was just this moment. We sung this song. That's right out of here. There is nothing we have received unless it is given to us from heaven. John comes at him, he goes, look, I got this ministry from God. It's all from God. There isn't one person here that I got on my own. This calling was not mine. I didn't create it. God gave me the calling. The fame I got, the reputation I got, that's from God, that's from God. Check, 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 check. All of it's from God. It's not mine. It's not mine. It's not mine. So the increase, the rise, the fame, that, that, that's all God's. The decrease, the going down, that's all God's. Think about that. Everything you have, family, relationships, your stuff, influence, tangible stuff, intangible stuff, right? Reputation, your status, your wealth, your friends, your talent, your career. There is nothing you or I have that has not come from God. That's the first thing he says. And for him, he's just like, I, I got no right to be possessive. I've got no right to be territorial. Like, I, this all came from God. What do you want me to do? Like, I never owned it in the first place. The second thing John says is this. You yourselves bear me witness. Another way to say it is, tell me, tell me. Haven't I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him? It's a great response. And it's one of those ones where you just kind of go, huh. So all along, John had been saying this from the beginning. I'm the forerunner. I'm the hype man. I am here to just tell people, get ready. He's coming. 
Get ready, he's coming. Get ready. I have never once laid claim to the glory. I haven't touched it. You've heard it, right? He says it. You guys have heard me all along. And so this guy that's coming to him is saying, well, yeah, but I didn't know what that meant, or I didn't understand that. And what I love John, what John does here, I, I absolutely love it, is he says this statement, and in effect he's saying, this is your problem. This isn't mine. Don't, don't put this on me. Right? Because he's like, you know what I've said all along. I was simply the forerunner. So all your whatever about people leaving, that's not my stuff. That's your stuff. You go figure it out. See, what John had figured out and worked out in his life was the call of God, the identity he had in Christ, or in God at that point. Now he has it in Christ, right? Really understands it. He already had that worked out. He, it's all from God. His calling is sure. I am the forerunner of Christ. My identity is in God. This is who I am, and this is my life purpose. I'm going for it. And there wasn't anything that was going to rattle that. There wasn't anything that was going to shake that, diminish that. He's rock solid on it. Whether it goes up, whether it goes down, he's good. Let me ask you something. When somebody comes to you and has that moment where, where they put you down, where they make you feel less than, where they whatever, right? How sure are you in your call from God and your identity? Because if we're sure, if we're rock solid in it, in those moments we realize, wow, they got a lot of stuff going on. That's not me. That's not my stuff. Or how often, right, have we been the one, as we're doing this, we're going and we're, we've bumped up against somebody, right, who doesn't shake, who doesn't move, and you're like, how in the world do you realize this person, this person has the call of God figured out, and you're over here going all over the place, you don't understand who you are and his call on your life. You know, because I think one of the things that happens with the call of God when we start to serve him and live for him is people are going to come along and they're going to go, why are you doing that? Why are you giving all that kind of energy? Why are you hanging out with them? What are people going to think? What are people going to say? Why aren't you over here? You, you, your life should be going up, up, up. You should be going higher, right? You should be increasing. This is it. This is it. And if we don't have the call of God figured out, we're going to begin to let other people's issues and their definition of identity and call taint, affect, even derail where God has called us. I mean, John could have actually just called the meeting and said, okay, guys, we've got to set 10-year goals. We've got to set three-year goals. Let's do 90-day goals. Let's figure out how we can turn this ship around. Right? We've got to turn this ship around. 
Third thing John says is not that. He says this, verse 29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. So what he's doing is he's a, he goes with this, he knows the call and he goes with the picture and he says, look, guys, let me, let me put this out to you. So there's, in a wedding, there's a groom and there's a bride. The bride in this metaphor, this vision is those who believe in Jesus and those who will follow Jesus. Jesus is the groom, right? And so he's saying, look, guys, there's a wedding going on here. Jesus is the bride, or Jesus is the groom. The people who believe him is, is the bride. I'm the best man. Now, in the Israel culture there, the Jewish culture of that time, the, the best man, the, the friend of the groom, was the guy that made sure that wedding went off without a hitch. Like, he was the guy, the go-to guy, the guy you could count on that wouldn't let anything distract from that wedding, and he would do everything. He'd lay down his life to make sure that wedding day was the best. That was his role. In our day and time, we call that the groom, or I mean the, the best man, or the maid of honor, right? There's something about that. I mean, uh, it's not nearly as, I would say, as heightened or has as much value as it did in the Jewish culture, but it's close to that. Now, can you imagine if you went to a wedding here in the next year, or if you've been to a wedding, where you saw the, the best man upstage the groom? That would be, that would be a nightmare. Like, they want all the attention. They're jealous. They're envious. They're whatever. And so they just kind of upstage the whole thing and draw all the attention to them. You know what would happen? At some point, the family and the other friends would insert themselves and say, you need to leave. Right? Get out of here. And John's effectively saying, so you want me to do what? You want me to behave how? When I'm the best man, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm the best man. I'm here to see this wedding pulled off. Like, I am here to serve, and I will do whatever I can to make that day the best day. You don't get it. You don't get my call. I'm here to serve the groom. That's my calling. And he goes on and he says this final statement. He must increase and I must decrease. How many people know that? Don't look, don't look down at your Bible. How many have heard that phrase over the years? How many know the phrase right before it? Don't look. How many people know the phrase? Online, raise your hand. I see that hand. How many people know it? Yeah. The phrase right before it is powerful. This Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. I must decrease. He must increase. We often quote that one, but we don't realize the phrase right before it. He must increase. I must decrease. And the reality that we can actually experience joy like the most complete joy in that moment. 
it's a supernatural answer. It's not of this world. There's just no way this is of the world to think that you can have joy when you decrease. It's not a natural response. And, and it really comes not of this world. It comes out of the kingdom of God and especially because Christ, the king, is the one Paul wrote about who said who became nothing, right? Emptied himself, became nothing, became like a servant, became and uh, took on the form of a man, right? And became obedient, even obedient or humble that says, humble himself to the obedience on the cross. Like Christ modeled what it means to decrease, to go lower and lower and lower. In fact, it's the most epic story of decrease in the history of the universe. And here comes John, who's part of the kingdom of God, and he says, I've, I've got to decrease. This is the best moment of my life. You coming up and telling me that people are starting to follow Jesus? Yeah! It doesn't seem weird. Doesn't that seem crazy? Like, that's just so not what this world would do. This is what the world would do. I came across a book. My wife, Joe was reading a book. She said, Scott, this is, this is incredible statements right here, and it was all about love and, and this whole idea of decreasing. But there's five bad ways we go reactions that we have when we decrease. Throw them up on the screen if you could. So, uh, we're really having problems with one, two, three, four. Yeah, this thing was giving us problems in the first service. So, um, I'm just going to read the first one to you. I have no idea why that's not uh, working. But the first one is self-pity. Nursing an internal feeling of being like a victim. When we go down, when we go low, we start to have self-pity. Poor us. Look at us. Or maybe it's bitterness. We have this simmering demand that God makes our, our world right. You got to make this right. You got to make this just, right? Sarcasm. So we want to restore the balance and start to go up and feel like we can go up. So what are we doing? We're, we get sarcastic. Kind of tear people down, but it's real clean. Mock somebody else, everybody can laugh, and we feel better about ourselves. Or we could just go right into gossip and slander, just start tearing people down, left and right. Leave no person out of it, so that we can what? Increase. Or, or maybe it's the emotional revenge. We withdraw from people love, right? So we withdraw our heart from people who are increasing, when we're not increasing, when we're down here. So we see somebody and we just go, oh, I, you know, I'm pulling back. You ever done those? We don't have to do that. Someone who has the call of God, somebody who has a vision from God of their life, we don't ever have to go that direction. We can, we can live in this moment where we're going downward, where we're decreasing, and we can have fulfilled, complete joy. We can literally say, this is a victory. John saw it, and he saw his calling complete. I would love to know what this disciple thought in those moments. Like, is it just, 
Like, I have, I have no framework for how you're looking at this, John. How about you? Have you been serving God? And, and this is what often happens, right? We, we get going with the call of God, it's great, and then after a while, it gets hard, and it gets difficult, and, and it seems like everybody else, while we're doing hard, is doing great and having fun, and it gets more and more difficult, and this is like, uh, we don't like this, and... And we lose sight of the call and the vision God has for our lives to see Christ, Christ be magnified. Christ be magnified in me. Christ be magnified in me. And John, the author, writes this. He says this in the final verses. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth invite Jake. Jake, if you want to come up. So Jesus, he's talking about Jesus, verse 31. I don't want to pass that up. Jesus, who comes from above, is above all. Jesus, who is of the earth, belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. Jesus, who comes from heaven, is above all. Jesus bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives Jesus' testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For Jesus, whom God has sent, utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son, Jesus and has given all things into Jesus' hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. He, he closes this moment where John is talking about decreasing, and he, he sends this message of the supremacy of Christ, the exalted Christ. And you understand, in a clearer way, why John says, my joy is complete. He must increase, I must decrease. I've asked Jake to come up. We'd just like to sing this song, You Are Worthy of It All. And I want Jake to sing it over you right now and just invite you and Christ just into this moment of, of connection and hearing from him. And, and your life is before him. All you are is before him. Jesus, would you sow your kids right now, each son, each daughter here, your call on their life. Show each of them your vision for their life. Would you tell each person here, I'm worth this. I really am. I'm worth you living for me. If you're frustrated with your life, if you've been taking hits and people are making fun of you and people are tearing you down, or, or, or it's just been hard, like, all you've done is hard, and all you've done is decrease, and it's so hard.
right now. Jesus said, he gives the Spirit without measure. Holy Spirit, fill each person here. Their call is before them. The vision is before them. Their life, fill them. In the name of Christ, I release joy on them. I release joy on every person who's listening in. Their life, every one of you listening now or in the days to come, your life is before you. That call, that vision from God is before you. And want you just to sing this in your spirit. Agree with Jake. You don't have to say the words right now. Just agree in your spirit. You're worthy of it all.